Hey everyone, this is Michael Thompson once again, and uh, this is the Brand New Day podcast, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited about what I have to say today. It's going to be a heavy and a longer podcast, um, but let's get started. Two years ago, um, I was actually alone in a hotel room every year, some of you know. Um, I like to go away and just spend time alone kind of with the Lord thinking about life, the ministry, where we've been, where we're going. Um, And uh, for whatever reason, that morning I found myself wanting to listen to music, old music um, from across um, the generations. And and it was on a random playlist, and an old song came on. It's a song that we just started with. And I hadn't heard that song or really listened to it since high school. And when the song was pumping through my ears, uh, I found myself uh, starting to just weep. And uh, the reason is because I was reprocessing uh, what was the lowest point I came to realize by far in my life. And the power of that song, uh, it brings it all back. And even starting the podcast early this morning, just playing... Uh, playing that song here on the piano, it just brings back a deep sadness. At the same time, a sense of gratitude because I am a trophy. <laughs> I am a trophy of God's grace. And uh, anyways, decades later, um, I guess I still find myself weeping because I think about how dark my path really had become. This, this podcast is for you, even though I would like to share my story. It really is for you to help you to better, better love God, but also to reach people. And that includes prodigals, people that most likely are in your life. Uh, most, I would bet that every single person that's listening to this podcast, young or old, personally knows someone or personally has a close loved one themselves Uh, Perhaps it's a brother, a sister, a son, a daughter, a parent who is so far from God and they've heard the truth. Um, Maybe not all of it. They maybe understood it, maybe didn't. Um, But like the story that Jesus told last week, um, they just emphatically say no. And there seems like there's nothing that you can do uh, that you're just kind of at a standstill or a dead end. Um, I want to encourage you with my story Uh, But at the same time, uh, I want to admit to you that I know that not every story ends with a happy ending. Um, Not every prodigal comes home. Um, I've been in ministry for many years, and um, tragedies happen all the time. I've had, I've seen it all: <laughs> people going to prison, marriages collapsing, young people with health disasters and cancer, and uh, people losing their own children in tragic accidents. People with hardship financially, homelessness, persecution, <laughs> danger, mental illness, physical abuse, sexual abuse, sexuality issues. It's like. It's like I feel like I've seen it all, and sometimes I'll sit with some young person and they'll seem hesitant, you know, to tell me their deep, deep dark secret or something. I'm always like, guys, listen, you know, believe me, whatever you got, I've probably heard it, and even if I haven't, it's no big deal before a God who loves you so much. But, um, so the bottom line um, is that um, the greatest tragedy in all those years that I've ever seen 
without hesitation has been when people know someone that never came to know the Lord. They just never turned. And um, I've had some real, really, really dark moments with parents who've even lost loved ones. It happens, friends. It isn't a game. Um, there's no guarantees. And it's, it's a heavy issue, as I told you. Um, but I will tell you this, that while it sometimes doesn't go the way we want, um, I have seen more glorious stories um, of people, of prodigals coming. It's a very, very common thing. And it's something that we are worth, uh, it's worth fighting for. Um, so, so let me just tell you a little bit more about my story. So I grew up uh, in a Christian home and kind of went to church and th- did all that thing. But, but I was just in the church. But when I, when I was in the church, I never really felt like there was something that was um, huge, like really legitimate and worth dying for. I felt like people just were there, even leaders. That it, I didn't ever get the sense like this was like the most important thing in all of the, the world and, and that God was really um, his kingdom, everything that was it. And so I just kind of sat there and said, well, what you're saying and what I'm seeing, they don't really line up. And and I wasn't like angry about it. It's just kind of an observation. And so therefore, uh, because it wasn't modeled to me and um, I just kind of floated around. And eventually when I got into high school uh, and the winds of the world got stronger, I faltered. And uh, it started little. I, I, um, I had a girlfriend and I got to be like super consumed with her and, and, uh, and the grades would fall and you know, I had no no real standards, and and what was interesting is even things that were taught to me or that were told. You know, you shouldn't do this physically, or you should you shouldn't cheat in school, you shouldn't lie, you should respect your parents. You know, all these kind of things. They all just kind of like faded as I got more and more um, deep in my relationship with my girlfriend and just with myself, wanting to be a great popular athlete and those kind of things in school and and. Um, I was, uh, and I don't want to gloat or glory in this, but simply to just tell my story. But I was a very creative prodigal and um, found ways of doing all sorts of crazy things. And it was under the surface. So people would see me and they would think, oh, well, he's kind of messed up, but they had no idea of the depths. And unfortunately, friend, um, if you're seeing someone with some ugly things, it's most likely just the tip of the iceberg. Um, that's usually the case. So in my case, I, I, was, I would do crap. My parents would ground me, and, and uh, my girlfriend actually lived way, you know, maybe 25-minute drive away from our house. And uh, I started, I, I would sneak out at night and take my bike, and, and, and I, would, I had my bike hidden in the back bushes, and then I would just take it and just ride and and I would ride my bike and I'd go visit her and then as I got more deep in my boldness eventually I, I decided you know what um, it's too long of a bike ride I need to learn how to drive well I was 15 years old and so I would stay home from school sick and then I would sneak out we had a car that would be left at home and I literally taught myself how to drive um, just by starting in the neighborhood and eventually worked up the confidence to uh, make the big drive like at night and 
And so these are just examples. There's many. And actually, that song that that I was playing, um, that's why that song's so emotional for me because the song, it basically says, it's the night, my body's weak, there's no time to sleep, I've got to ride like the wind to be free again. And it was so it was so twisted and what's so sad is at the time, I just thought that was the coolest thing, like I have to ride like the wind, you know, and... and, uh, and and it's just so sad um, when I think about it. But here's the thing. like, There's all sorts of lessons in my story. Certainly, the danger of hypocrisy in the church is a big, is a big danger. But there's a beautiful thing, and that is the power of confrontation. And so my, my parents, who were awesome parents, I talk about them all the time on here, they they, it was like they did every. I don't look back. I can't look back and say that there's anything that I think that they did wrong when I was a prodigal. They talked with me. They grounded me. Uh, my mom loved me. My dad was stern with me. You know, it was great. There was one time, another super deep moment of just low. Um, I was going to run away. My dad's like, if you don't follow the rule, if you're not willing to show respect and follow the rules, then you can't be here. And I was like, okay. And I went upstairs. I'd been saving up money. I grabbed my money out of my uh, little tin bin. And uh, I was I literally walked out the house and fully planned on leaving. I thought, well, I'll just find a way to get to warm weather and I'll figure it out from there in California or something. And my mom came out and she was on the... Uh, the front lawn pleading with me, just saying, Michael, you know, you just can't go. You just can't go. And it's just heartbreaking um, to think about that. And and what a what a loser, what a jerk, what like the prodigal, like Jesus talks about, you just want someone to come to their senses because it made no sense. And I was just hard-hearted and um, totally lost. And um, But thank you, Mom, for being humble enough and loving enough and persistent enough to literally physically grab my arm and plead with me. I did go back in the house and I saved myself what would have been a huge, huge grief, I'm sure. Um, that's not to say that there weren't many wounds. There are many um, that I inflicted on myself and other people in that time. So what happened? Well, actually nothing happened for quite a while. It was just kind of the norm and I'm sure my parents were just you know, beside themselves and uh, it was just a huge toll on my sister and uh, my mom and my dad. And 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 f- um, there was a time that we had a youth trip. And I remember just asking my parents, like, can I go? And and I was like, no, I really need God. <laughs> I need God <laughs> so, you know, I can learn about him. And so, you know, it's hard for a parent to tell a kid, no, they can't go on a youth outing. So they said, okay. So I got there with my with my friends, my prodigal cohort friends, some guys. We picked a room together and we said, let's we'll just sneak out at night. And and so sure enough, the first speaker, you know, you need to give your life to Christ and da-da-da. And all the kids are crying and then kids are coming forward. And I just remember I was like with the guys in the back, nope, nope, not interested. We're gonna go sneak out tonight. We've heard this before. And besides, all those kids that are at coming forward. In a few months, they'll be back to their lukewarm ways anyway, so it's not even real for them. So we're just going to sit here and be critical. So that's what we did. And then, sure enough, we snuck out. Um, but here's the thing. The the second night, um, the youth pastor, who to this day is one of my all-time favorite best friends of my entire life, um, he said, tonight, guys, I want you to stay in my room with me. 
and so we were just so disappointed. And he, I'd, I've never asked him why he did that, if he expected, he knew we were up to no good. I don't know. But whatever the case is, he wanted us to be with him. So, and, and then the, the craziest thing that ever happened in any church experience happened to me that night because he got us together and he said, guys, I don't know why you're here. You're wasting my time. You're wasting your time. And you shouldn't be around anymore. And we were Oh, no, no, no. Super, like, blown away that anyone would confront. Like, okay, finally, there's something that's at least real that's, like, right to the core of the truth of who we are. No, and we're the ones that are liars, ironically. No, no, we really want to be here. We want to learn about God and all this stuff. He's like, no. And the evidence he had, of course, was overwhelming. And uh, he, he really got us when he said, before we go to bed, the least you can do is to st- say something encouraging to each other and um, be humble enough to pray. So we were just like, whoa, you know, and so it'd be like, oh, Damon, you're such a, you're, you're really a great guy. And then when it came time to pray, he said, I'd like for each of you to pray and then I'll close. Well, as you can imagine, four high school guys who are not really walking with the Lord, uh, that was terrifying. And it was super awkward, and it's like, okay, you know, uh, you know, some of the movies they have these scenes where people don't know God, and they're like, uh, God, uh, this is me, you know. It felt like that kind of scene, but it was real, it was honest, and what we had to say was from the heart, and we were able to at least admit to God, we're not here to really grow, we're not here to impact other kids' lives, none, none of that, and and basically, as we started to go around the circle. We got more and more honest, and little did we know what was happening is is God was starting to move in us to bring conviction. And with every layer of repentance, if you will, um, and genuine like you know turning from those things, we kept getting deeper and deeper. And finally, it got to be so uh, deep, and the confessions about things they were so huge that. I remember we were we were super excited, number one. And number two, we were super blown away to find out, I didn't know you did that. And I didn't know you did that. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah, this is amazing. You know, and and we got so hyped. I remember there was a, a youth leader in the, in the room, uh, the adjacent room was like, you guys keep it down in there. <laughs> Thinking, no, no, you want us to be, you know, hyped right now. And we ended up uh, praying and talking with God at a real level, confessing and pledging our devotion for real, we started praying and we ended up praying the entire night. And the whole night, the youth pastor never spoke. He just sat there and we were just going on and on. One of my friends got so excited, he like accidentally hit his head on on his bedpost and he's just like, ah! We were just, it was just one of those rare moments. And the thing is, God can show up. You never know when it wasn't during the talk. It wasn't when anyone expected. It's just someone confronted us in, in a really genuine way. And so that was the beginning of my life as I know it. That was, if you say, when did you start ministry? I say, it was that night, 17 years old. And uh, turned away, went went the next morning to, to breakfast the youth group. It reminded me of the book of Acts, like great fear ceased the camp because we were you know, girls like, where are you? Where were you? Oh no, we're not doing any of that stuff anymore. And, and, and it was just like immediate like transformation 
uh, overnight. And that doesn't happen often. Again, I'm not gloating and, and celebrating that I was so far from God or anything. But I tell you what, I celebrate like hardcore to this day that night. And it was that night where I decided that um, I'm all in. Um, we we went crazy. Not just um, we started memorizing the Bible, and we we memorized the entire book of Philippians. I mean, we were just really, really rolling. And we we were praying for the youth. We said we're going to touch the lives of students in our school. I think we had like thirty some people that were at that retreat. A year later, we had over a hundred. We'd started a band for the youth group, and it just it was just an amazing time. And looking back, I just. I can't get enough of that story. It's my story. This is my story. This is my song. And no doubt about it, um, that night, that February night, uh, set the course of um, a whole lifetime of, ironically, living to help other people come to know Christ and um by the way, I, I hope you can celebrate with me. We just got a report from the field from one of our teams. Uh, incredible work of God. 17, just under 17,000 people coming to Christ uh, in Africa, in Sudan. An amazing work. God God is drawing people. I'm so, so thankful. And sometimes it feels like... Um, so hopeless and things are, but God is at, at work, friend. He's at work around the world. He's at work even in this pandemic. And and sometimes we don't even see it uh, close. In fact, you might be saying, well, 17,000, that's awesome. I would just want one. I just want my son. I just want my mom. I just want my daughter. And let me just say that every life matters and every person ultimately is a prodigal that's needing to be brought home. Well, you know that this podcast is about loving God and reaching people. And so how do you personally take a role in reaching a prodigal? What steps can you take? Is there hope? Is there anything, or is it just totally out of your hands? Or are you like, well, I tried that and there's nothing's working. And well, there's many things that you can do. And even though I told you that I'd like to do it this week, the time is gone. We're going to have to hit it next week. But let me just tell you, there are many, many, many things, both obvious and not so obvious, that we can be doing to reach the one. Um, Yes, we love reaching the masses, but oh, that God would help us to even reach that one. I ask even now as we close that you would think of a prodigal in your life. As I told you, I know you have one or you know someone who has one. Um, Someone that is just, it seems like there's no hope. And the most powerful thing that you can do, even in this moment, is just to whisper their name to the God who is mighty to save. Ask God to help you to believe again and to hope again, to fight again. would you do miraculous works in the lives of those around us that need you. Do it, Lord, and let their stories be told even on this podcast. And we all ask it. I know you agree with me. And if you do, again, I ask just whisper, amen. Amen. God bless you all. We'll talk to you soon.
love that's never failing Relentless for all me Where everyone needs forgiveness Kindness of a Savior The hope of Oh, baby, I've been